We welcome all of our new online listeners. Hi, my name is Dr. Stephen Finney, the hosting pastor of Excel Church in IOM America. My wife Jane and I are blessed that you decided to join us. Excel represents Exchange Life. Our church is an outreach of IOM America. We believe all online services should be birthed from the Lord's localized ministries. We want you to know you have our permission to download and or forward this media to a hurting world. We live in troubling times. As global crises come and go, we need to be reminded that the Lord Jesus Christ is attempting to gain our attention, and we need to listen. Our media outreach, I Am Media Productions, demonstrates compassion in action. Everything we do sits upon the pedestal of compassion. So let's get started. Enjoy the worship, illustrative videos, prayer, and weekly message.
Almighty, the King of creation. O my soul, praise Him, for He is thy health and salvation. Welcome to number 15 of the 220 Revelation series. Today we're going to be talking about the specifics of the Church of Thyatira. Thyatira was also known for tolerating prophetess. Let's get started. We are in Revelation chapter 2 verses 18 through 29. And here's what it says. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira. Right, the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like burnished bronze, says this, I know your deeds, and your love, and your faith, and service, and perseverance, and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. And she teaches and leads my bondservants astray, so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness, and those who commit adultery with her 
great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with pestilence. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. He who overcomes, and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thyatira, actually it means worthless, feminine thing. The town was most important center in north ancient Lydia. Findings suggest a possible earlier period in the preeminence under the Hittites. Now remember, those are the sons of Ham. Persian occupation of the region took place around 500 B.C. That was the world's first superpower. Thyatira was later conquered by Alexander the Great. Just to give you a little insight here, he was a worshiper of Zeus. Zeus was the father or the gods of the goddesses. In later years, Thyatira was captured successfully by the Seleucid Empire, which in modern terms is Iran. In AD 214, the Roman emperor Caracalla promoted the town to the status of a regional and administrative center. They were known for having powers of being able to resolve disputes. The city flourished considerably under the Romans and became a large metropolis. Just as a side note, this city and the road from Thyatira to Pergamum is one of the most beautiful in all the world. Well, as of the 2nd century AD, Christianity spread in western Antolia by actions of apostles like John and Paul. Thyatira is mentioned twice in the New Testament. The first mention is the one of the seven churches we are speaking of now which references a woman from Thyatira named Jezebel, who is said to have fought against Christians. And that's found in our passage for today. The second mention refers to another woman from Thyatira named Lydia, a merchant trader. She is said to be Paul's first convert and also helped him in his ministry, according to Acts 16.14. Lydia's type of work is seen throughout the world today. See, this clearly defines the two types of women being in ministry. The first type is the Jezebel type, and they have to have control. They have to lead over men. Whereas on the case of Paul's disciple, Lydia, she was helping Paul. She was helping a male leader accomplish the mission that God had given him. Keep that in mind. Thyatira primarily was a trade industry community 
but it was known for women producing cloth, cords, and other items related to working women. The women had primary rule in this city due to their ability to produce fortune for the men. As stated before, Thyatira actually means worthless feminine thing. The name, like all of the seven churches, describes the condition of the church at the time. And Jesus brings that out in every one of the addresses to the seven churches. Culture truly does affect church. Thyatira is also the inventor of money, believe it or not. The economics is one of the primary targets for Satan and his beast. This is where the men came in. The men of Thyatira were lovers of money. They took great pride in being the authors of currency. God gave us direct warning of what the love of money does. I believe it says it's the root of all evil. It says in 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. John begins by giving the normal blessing and encouragement from the Lord. Christ commends them for their love, faith, service, and perseverance. He reminds them their deeds are greater now than when they first started the church. But he does have a couple things against them. Jesus' primary issue with the church was Satan elevating women to teach men. Our Lord references this movement with the spirit of Jezebel. Outside of Eve, Jezebel was Satan's most elevated woman. Jezebel was the queen with Ahab. The Lord remembers her for destroying the prophets of God. That's found in 1 Kings 18.4. She was so destructive, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in caves. She despised Elijah the most. Why? Well, he killed 850 of her prophets. Her goal? For her husband to rule over Israel. In order to rule over the nation of Israel back then, the prophets had to die. God's reply to her threat to kill Elijah was this. In 1 Kings 21:23, it says, The dogs will eat Jezebel in the district of Jezreel. This same spirit is being addressed by Jesus and Thyatira. Thyatira is alive today, which is the seduction of false Christianity led by women. Remember, Satan began his plan with elevating a woman, and he ends his scheme by elevating a woman. It's referenced as the great harlot in Revelation 19.2. Old Testament Jezebel, in the Tanaka, the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament, Jezebel is a queen of ancient Israel. Her story is told in First and Second Kings. She is introduced as a Phoenician princess, the daughter of the king of Sidon, who marries king Ahab. The Phoenix city of Tyre was once Satan's kingdom. She turns Ahab against the god of the Israelites and the Jews, being the inhabitants of Judah, and moved then toward the worship of the Phoenician god, Baal, father to the Greek goddesses and all of their cults. Ahab and Jezebel 
assist in establishing the temples of Baal in Israel, and the pagan religion receives royal support and financial care. Well, furthermore, the queen uses her control over Ahab to lead the Hebrews into sin and subjects them to tyranny and persecution. After she has the prophets of God slaughtered, the prophet Elijah challenges Jezreel's prophets of Baal to a God-ordained test that exposes their gods as powerless. Then Elijah has them slaughtered, according to 1 Kings 18.40, and it cures Jezebel's furious anger and revenge. After Ahab's death, Jezebel continues to rule through her son, Uzziah. When Uzziah is killed in battle, she exercises control through her other son, Jeroboam. Jezebel's predominant sin is the manipulation control of men, which is a grave offense to the Hebrew God. Any time, for example, everything gets out of order in regard to the roles that God has established, or women try to use their men to make powerful decisions to have whatever their objective was, it is sin. It's pure manipulation of the sexes. As recounted in 2 Kings 9, 1-10, God speaks through the prophet Elisha, that is the successor of Elijah, and as one of his servants anoint Jehu as king in Jehoram's palace. Scripture stating this, Thou shalt smit the house of Ahab thy master. Acting on this divine commission for revolution, Jehu kills King Jehoram as he attempts to flee in his war chariot. Jehu then confronts Jezebel in Jezreel and urges her eunuchs to kill the queen mother by throwing her out the window. Mission accomplished. They comply by tossing her out the window and leaving her in the street to be eaten by dogs, just as God warned her. Only Jezebel's skull, feet, and hands remained. Her bitter end fulfilled Elijah's prophecy in 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 22 through 26. Now the New Testament Jezebel, which is noted in Revelation 2.20, a prophecy is uttered against a prophetess named Jezebel in the church of Thyatira. She is accused of introducing church members to commit acts of sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. The name Jezebel has come down through the centuries to be used as a general name for all wicked women. In modern usage, the name Jezebel is sometimes used as an expression for sexual promiscuity or controlling women. This image is epitomized by the phrase, Painted Jezebel. The painted part refers to a line in the book of 2 Kings, when she applies her makeup just before she is killed in 2 Kings 9.30. From a biblical and Christian point of view, a comparison to Jezebel would suggest that a person would be a pagan, or minimally an apostate, and masquerading themselves as servants of God. By manipulation and or seduction, one misleads the saints of God into sins of idolatry and sexual immorality, making them ineffective. From a Christian point of view, it has also been used to reference those who challenge 
God's mandates and beliefs that he has given us regarding male leadership. The great offense here is God's local church being led by a woman. And in many cases, this female leadership leads men into promiscuity. The difference between Lydia and Jezebel is that Lydia was converted to true Christianity and became a faithful supporter of Paul and his leadership. Jezebel, on the other hand, was much different. Jezebel did not convert to Christianity and used her feminine powers to lead the people to the church that went astray. One woman led people to Christ and the other led them away from Christ. The message of this church doesn't seem too encouraging if you ask me. It gives all appearance of hopelessness. Although there is a few in this church who do not hold to this teaching, who have not known the deeper things of Satan, and they hold to the truths of Jesus Christ. The distinction here is different than in the first three churches. In the first three churches, the call to hear Christ's voice is for the church as a whole. Starting with the church of Thyatira, the remaining four churches, the call that's put out there is to the remnant of believers within these churches. We will discover more about all of these connections to Jezebel in the 17th chapter of Revelation. But the figure of Jezebel is most likely the beginning state of the Roman Catholic Church, which is classified in church history as a she. Even during this period and to date, the Roman Church calls itself the Mother Church. When Rome says the Church, they mean the Roman state system, or Roman papacy. The Church during the time of Thyatira was under heavy influence of the Nicolaitans and their beliefs of placing a priest between the people and Christ. The Nicolaitans were directly influenced by the supportive teachings of Alexander the Great, who popularized the idea of the importance of having a priest between people and their God. The Nicolaitans were directly influencing each of the churches that we are talking about to set up this mediator to stop people from going to God directly. They were threatened by the idea that if people went to God directly, God just might speak to them directly. This system was not only adopted by the Roman state church. Their leader, Deacon Nicholas, got it from this school of Alexandria, which to this day is known for their education based on paganism, Babylonian practices. Rome has always claimed to be the church, and any other church not connected to them or put into their system is classified as a false church. She presented herself as being without error, i.e. the Pope is infallible. This teaching is in direct opposition to what Christ says. We are commissioned by Christ to come to him directly and to have a personal relationship with him. Therefore, the Jezebel in this passage most likely is twofold, female leadership and the influence of the Roman state church.
All religions on earth can be described by one of two words, fear or love. Christianity is the only belief that is founded and based in love. Since God is love, 1 John 4, 8, the Christian church is the only group that can fall into this description. The Roman state church has always used fear to control their followers. The Jezebel, or the female religious culture, of the last 1300 years is the Babylon of Revelation. This is clearly why you see Roman state church adopting and promoting so many pagan holidays, beliefs, and imagery. Study ahead in chapter 17 and 18. It will provide great understanding for you. And in these chapters, one will find a clear picture of the progress, growth, power, and ultimately the description of this Jezebel who first revealed herself in the church of Thyatira. God has given the Roman church many opportunities to repent and renounce the ways of Jezebel. She doesn't because God says she doesn't. Her doom is near and certain. If I would have to say that back in the Martin Luther's day and I spoke out as I do today against this system, I would have been hunted down, bound and burned at the stake. Outside of the Islamic community, Catholics are known for killing more indwelt Christians than any other religion. A truth that secular, Christian, and even the Vatican history proves. I know this message is offensive to many, particularly if they come from a Catholic background. This message is true, and history proves it. Study the scriptures and find out the truth about her. Prepare yourself for much more of the very same kinds of things that were going on in Thyatira, which was literally a mirrored replica of what was going on between the original Jezebel and the manipulation she used to control her husband, the king, and her sons. Any church that makes the claim that Christianity comes only through them purposes themselves to be a harlot. Jesus said that he who confesses with their mouth that he is the Son of God shall be saved. No individual church or denomination can make a claim such as this. Keep your eyes on Rome and know, don't do as the Romans do. Final point is we know from all scripture that Jesus is answering by his own words. He's not going through Holy Mother Mary. Jesus is speaking directly from his Father and for his Father. The concept of the Pope existing in all denominations is possible. There are pastors, teachers, preachers billing themselves as the ultimate authority. Personally, I have no respect for any leader who portrays themselves as a Pope. Next week, we're going to get into the details of the church at Sardis. Some very, very interesting things will be discovered. Until next time.